Lord, we thank you for, Lord, allowing us to be here this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you, Lord, for the church. God, thank you, Lord, for this place, God, that's dedicated, Lord, to the teaching of the word of God, preaching and your worship, your praise. And so, God, we pray, Lord, that you'd help us this morning. God, pray that you'd help us to humble ourselves under your authority. God, Lord, help us to submit ourselves to you. God, pray that you'd help us to subject ourselves, Lord, to the scrutiny of God's book and the Holy Spirit. God, deal with us and help us this morning. God, Lord, as we look at these things, God, here in Sunday school, Lord, I pray that you'd bless hearts, God, Lord, and I pray that you'd, uh, Lord, find an exalted place in our hearts and minds, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, just finished reading Ecclesiastes in my daily Bible reading. Of course, it's only 12 chapters, not a whole lot of pages, and uh, you can get through it probably in one sitting. Uh, but anyways, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they sh shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and his desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, wherever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Now, this is not really related to the Sunday school lesson this morning, but just to kind of give you an idea of what he's trying to say. Basically, Solomon is saying, now's the time to remember your Creator, not tomorrow, right now. It's not... It's not time to postpone it. It's not time to wait for tragedy to take place or for things to start breaking down. Now's the time. Uh, Paul told you, I believe it's in, it's in, I think it's in 2 Corinthians. He said, now is the accepted time. Today's the day of salvation. And Solomon is trying to get across that same idea. He says in verse 7, he says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. When God started handing out curses in Genesis chapter 3 because Adam and Eve disobeyed uh, there in the Garden of Eden, God told Adam, he said, Out of the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat bread. And he said, Out of the dust you came, and to dust you're going to return. He said, I made you, formed you out of the dust of the ground. He said, and that When you die, that's what's going to happen. And that's what happens to you, by the way. Uh, when you die, your soul, if you're saved, your spirit, whether you're saved or lost, let me say this, whether you're saved or lost, your spirit goes back to God that gave it. It's right there. Verse 7, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. That's the thing that gives you life. That's why uh, you're animated. That's why you have the ability to think. You're self-conscious. Beast is not quite that way. When a beast dies, a spirit goes back to the earth. And so there, there's, quite a, there's quite a study there. And what that should help you to understand, we've been over this before, but what that should help you to understand is that man and beast are not the same. They're not the same. Uh, I don't love my dogs the same way that I love my family. I don't, I don't love my dogs the same way that I love you folks. 
people, dog, dogs, animals of any kind are not, are not people. And you, you kind of have to say that every now and then just because of how perverted society is. I mean, if you've got, you got a society that's saying it's okay to look at people of the same gender and be attracted to them, and they're already in California trying to push pedophilia, it won't be very long before bestiality comes on the scene. You say, not us. It's coming. It's coming. You better pray and you better open your mouth. But nonetheless, I don't want to get off on that too far. But anyways, then the dust shall return to the earth as it was. What I want to point out to you is right there in verse 1, the Bible says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. So as young folks, there's not a whole lot of young folks in here, but even, even as adults, it's, it's wise to remember now thy creator. What I want to try and teach to you a little, about, little bit about this morning is God as a creator and why it's important. Why is it so important that you recognize God as, as a creator? Uh, now, you, you're in a society who for the last... I'm really taking a stab in the dark, an educated stab in the dark of saying 60 years. For the last 60 years, it's always been around. But in this country particularly, for the last 60 years, mainly in the public school system, they've been trying to teach your kids that there is no God. And the, the, the pillar that supports that argument is this idea of evolution. And listen, I'm not, I'm not going to go through all the scientific evidence because, quite frankly, I'm not a scientist. And... That's not my job. But I can tell you on the authority of God's Word, whether you think you have scientific evidence to back up the idea that we all came from a bunch of monkeys, you are absolutely insane. You've lost your marbles. I understand this is the Sunday school crowd, and you know nobody, nobody in here surely thinks that uh, we come from monkeys. But I understand the society that you work in, the people that you work around, and if your kids go to any kind of place where they're influenced by the public, of which there's nothing wrong of getting out in public, you have to be a witness to folks, but you have to be careful about who influences your kids. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. But when you go along those lines, uh, you take your kids and you put them out in public school, for example, there is a constant barrage of information that's being fed to your kids of there is no God, and nobody has to put it in those terms. All they have to say is, well, the Big Bang, nobody has to stand up and say, well, there's no God, and oh, you're a creationist, you're out of here. Nobody has to put it along those lines. All they have to do is just teach that your ancestors had a long tail and swung from trees, and their ancestors crawled out of a mud hole, as a single-celled organism, and then it all of a sudden split. Just absolutely ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. Uh, the Bible never argues, never argues about the fact that God created the world. When the Bible opens up in the very first chapter, in the very first book, in the very first verse, in the very first verse, in the beginning, God takes it for granted. When you witness, listen, you, you handle witness in any, how, any way you want to, but when you're talking to a reprobate, when you're talking to a pagan who, and I said that right, somebody who believes in evolution and doesn't believe that there's a God, you're dealing with a pagan. You're not, you're not dealing with old Mr. Nice Neighbor. I, he might be nice. She might be nice. I understand that. Educated folks. I, I have educated people all throughout my dad's side of the family, some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. But a lot of them believe that garbage. Yes, sir. 
you're not dealing with civilized people. You're dealing with animals. And I, I'll be honest, that's a little hard for me to say even about my own family, some of the nicest people that you would ever meet. You're dealing with animals. A man that believes he came from an animal, he's doing that to get away from God. Yes, sir. You like that or you lump that. That's the God's honest truth. It bothers me to have to say that about my own family. And let me just scratch an itch right here. That's why, that's why it's important for us, regardless of whether or not we have family members that are homosexuals, that's why it's still important for you to stay on the right side of the fence about that issue. You say, you say well, I got family members that are that way. Big deal still wrong and and that's all tied into the study this morning I'm trying to figure out how to get started how to get moving here in just a second but but the Bible never never argues the the fact that God is the creator it just takes it for granted and so when you're witnessing the folks I wouldn't I would not waste my time with trying to prove that there is a God or trying to prove that God made the world listen if you can't start listen and I mean, do as the Lord leads, but whenever I've dealt with somebody personally, I'm going to just put it to you like this. When I've dealt with somebody personally about the fact that, hey, Jesus Christ died for your sins, and they get off on this thing of, well, I don't believe in God, I believe, you know, in evolution and so forth and so on. I just look at them and tell them in so many words, whether it's very tersely or whether it's very politely, I just tell them, well, you're wrong about that. The Bible takes it for granted that there is a God and he created the world. End of story. And if they choke on that, then okay, then you're just, you're, you're where you're at and that's what's going to keep you from accepting Christ as your Savior. You've signed your own damnation. There's a reason that men get to that place. They're running from God. And what people do is they, they create their own reality in their mind. We live in a place that's real. This is not a figment of your imagination. We live in a place that's governed by laws of nature. It's governed by the laws of God. And things are the way that they are, regardless of whether you like them that way or not. You might like it for homosexuals to be able to run rampant and recruit your kids, because that's what they're doing. That's what they're trying to do. You might, you might think that that's okay, and you might like that. I don't think that you do. You might, though, I don't know, get upset every time a preacher says something about that stuff. But it doesn't change the fact that that stuff is wicked. And so the fact that you might be okay with it and might look at it and smile on it and might look at it and put your sanction on it, that doesn't change the fact that God looks at it and frowns and is upset and God is angry, God is angry, God is angry with the wicked every day. God never goes to sleep. But every day that you get up in the morning, God is just as mad at wicked people as he was yesterday. Your yesterday. I'm the Lord, I change not. That's what he said. Amen. But nonetheless, so when, when you're dealing with lost folks, the thing to do is not to argue about, well, creation, evolution. The thing to argue is, hey, Jesus Christ died for your sins. Well, I don't believe in that. <laughs> I don't care. God doesn't care. It's true. It's true. But see, the starting place, the starting place of arguing about God as your Redeemer really is in arguing about the fact that God is your Creator. Do you realize, listen, do you realize that once you destroy the concept of God as Creator, the two things that fall through is God as your Redeemer and God as your Judge. 
those two things are unraveled. The moment that you can destroy in somebody's mind, God's not your creator. Okay, well then what business does he ha what business do you have in telling me if God's not my creator? What business do you have in telling me that he's my redeemer? What business do you have in telling me that he's my judge? You've destroyed it. And so Charlie Darwin came along with a theory, a very poor one, and that's all it was, was a theory. No science to it. I don't care what you think. Amen. And so he comes along with this theory and says, well, I think that, you know, God or somebody or something took place to where all these pieces got together in a tin can and this tin can got shook up and somebody took the lid off and out pops all of this order. <laughs> that's what evolution is. I'm going to take my watch apart and put it in a coffee can, put a lid on and shake it, and all of a sudden out comes a brand new G4 shock watch. You're out of your mind. That's what evolution is. Don't make much sense to me. Well, look here in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's get on with it and look at some scriptures. <clears throat> it's interesting. You go into 1 Peter chapter 4. It's interesting there in... Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1 he says remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth he doesn't say remember now thy judge or remember now thy redeemer or remember now any other aspect of God that you feel like could be represented in the scripture the thing that he points out is hey Ecclesiastes is a very grim book. It's a very sobering book because what Solomon does is he goes throughout the whole book and he looks at all the pleasure that a man can get in his hands and he says, it's all vanity. It's all a waste of time. There's nothing to it. And then he turns around and he says, hey, you living? You better enjoy life while you got it because when you go to the grave, it's over. And in a sense, there's truth to that. Well, when he gets to Ecclesiastes 12, the last chapter of the book, he says, remember now your creator in the days, of the days of your youth. When he gets down to the last two verses, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. I'm going to sum up the whole book, the whole book of what I just wrote to you. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. You say, you're not going to do that. Listen, you're not going to do that unless you recognize him as a creator. Look here in uh, second, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. The Bible says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God uh, commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. You know, that, that term, faithful creator, that is the basis of the concept of redemption. Here's God who, who took six days and he made everything that you see and he, he made man in that same week and on the seventh day he rested. So you got seven days. Uh, part of those seven days was rest. That's the creation week. And every time he made something, he stepped back and he looked at it and he said, man, that's good. Look at what I made. That's good. I was talking to Brother Pedro about that yesterday. God stepped back every time. You get to make something with your own hands. He's talking about making some boxes or making a cabinet. And every once in a while, he'd go in there and look at that little cabinet that he made, and he'd step back and go, man, I made that? Well, can you imagine? Listen, I understand that God is a God of all knowledge. But here's a God who steps out in the middle of nothing, and he says, let there be light. And 
just out of the middle of nowhere, here comes light. And God takes the light and he separates it from darkness. And he steps back and he says, man, look at that. I made that. All the angels are standing around praising him. Next day rolls around. And he stands out there and he says, let there be a firmament in the midst of the, in the, midst of the waters. And these waters just separate. He looks down there at those waters and he says, let all the waters be gathered unto one place and let the dry land appear. Here comes this big, I guess an island. That's the earth. He said he, made the, he called the water seas and he called the dry land earth. He steps back and he looks at that and he says, it's good. I made that. And he does that every day of the week. He comes down on the sixth day, I believe it was, and he comes down there and he reaches down in the dirt of that earth and he forms a man and he doesn't just speak. He breathes into his nostrils the breath of life and man becomes a living soul. And God takes a step back and he says, I made that. It's good. And then man gets involved and messes the entire thing up. Well, what, is, what, what would be the reason as to why God would send his own son who is himself what would be the reason that God would send his own son to die for man's sin to pay the price and to redeem man back to himself because he is a faithful creator you get frustrated with something and you start putting something together you get frustrated with it take a 10 pound sledgehammer to it and just bust it into a million pieces not God God's, he's a faithful creator. Flip back a couple of pages and look in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, look in verse 23. The context, you're going to 1 Peter 2, the context of 1 Peter 4 where you just read is, he says, Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Context is suffering. Well, in 1 Peter 2, the context is Jesus Christ suffering. And he says in verse 23, he said, Who when he was reviled, reviled not again, talking about Jesus Christ, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. That, there you have God as creator, you have God as redeemer in 1 Peter chapter 4, and then here you've got God as a judge. Well, it all starts, it all starts with God as creator. It all starts with God as creator. You eliminate the concept of God in the minds of people. You eliminate that out of their mind. God has no right to be my judge. God has no right to be my redeemer. So now you've got a reprobate generation walking around in the United States, which there's always been reprobates around in the States, but you've got them walking around saying, you can't judge me. Well, I don't have to. God already has. You throw something like that across, and even in here in the South, in the Bible Belt, you get this attitude of, God, God doesn't have any right to judge me. They won't, nobody will say that down here because everybody's church-going folks. Christians... Christianity is a culture now. It's not, it's not pure religion and undefiled. It's just a culture. We just go to church on Sunday because it's habit. You're no better than the Catholic, by the way. Amen. All you've got is religion. You might as well go get drunk and throw up all over yourself because all you've got is religion. That's all you've got. But see, you eliminate that idea of God as creator. God is your creator. He got a right to judge you. 
He's got a right to redeem you. He's got a right. Listen, getting a little bit ahead of myself. Take, go over to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Look here in Revelation chapter 4. Well, actually, hold your place in Revelation 4 and go to Colossians 1. Let's look at something before we hit Revelation 4. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and look in verse 14. In whom, in Colossians 1, 14, in whom we have redemption. There he is. There's your Redeemer. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. You know what right Jesus Christ has to be your redeemer? He's your creator. The creation mourn when God steps out in the middle of eternity before anything, was, before anything was, in, was in existence. God the Father was there. God the Son was there. God the Holy Ghost was there. The Bible says right in Genesis 1, in Genesis chapter 1, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. When he got ready to make man, he said, let us make man in our own image. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He goes on down there and he says, without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is the reason that creation came into existence. He has the right to be your Redeemer because He's your Creator. Amen. Amen. Revelation 4. Revelation 4 verse 8. And the four beasts, John is transported up into heaven. He's looking at things going on in heaven. The four beasts had each of them six wings about him. They were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Look at what they say. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. On what basis? For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You know why God deserves the glory and the honor and the power of the entire universe? Because he made it all. He made it all. Everything you got sitting in front of you this morning, that stupid car sitting out in the parking lot that you drive and you may enjoy or it may give you trouble, whatever the case is, everything you got sitting out there in that parking lot this morning, God made it all. You say, no, no, they manufactured that stuff. God made the material that they manufactured it out of. God made the brains of that dumb engineer who put all that stuff together. God made it all. You, if God made it all, then it behooves you to take everything that you have and let it be something that would be an aid for you to worship the Lord. You come into this building, sheetrock, stupid popcorn ceiling. God have mercy on the fellow that made popcorn ceilings. 
got carpet in here. It's got some rips and tears, got some stains in it, got a fresh coat of paint on the walls. You say, what is this all for? It's to help us get worship the Lord. Listen, I'm not talking about an aid to worship. I'm not talking about images, not talking about falling down before an idol. I'm talking about this is a place that's dedicated for God's worship. You know what? You know what your home should be? It should have an atmosphere about it that moves people to get closer to God, to admire God. For thy pleasure, thou hast created all things for thy pleasure, they are and were created. Do you realize, listen, do you realize that if you would live by that one simple principle, understanding the fact that everything that's been made was made for God's pleasure, do you realize how much trouble that would keep you out of? <laughs> Uh, get ready to put some clothes on. Would this please God? Getting ready to go to a particular place of business. Would this please God? Getting ready to open your mouth. Would this please God? That'd be the reaction most of the time for every single one of us. Job said when God started dealing with him, Job said, hey, I put my hand upon my mouth. I've been talking too much. Let you talk. Yes, sir. It, it all, man, just put it right in order. Put it right in order. His position as creator points to his glory. Psalm chapter 19, very quickly. I'm going to try and look at some scripture here. Psalm chapter 19. They said in Revelation chapter 4, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. So it, his position as creator, it points to his glory. Psalm chapter 19, look in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Every time you get outside and you look up there in that sky, it was either last night or the night before I got outside on my back porch and our little security light, I don't know why they call it a security light, but anyways, our little security light on our light pole was struck by lightning. And it doesn't take much, and it just blew that bulb, and I ain't replaced it. I usually call the phone or the light company, and they'll come out and replace it. But I got out there, and it's pitch black. Man, it gets it gets dark out at my house, behind my house at night. And when it gets dark, you can look up there, and man, it's like there's millions of those stars out there. Get out there on a clear night. You say, where'd all that stuff come from? God made that. You know what those stars are doing? Those stars are sitting up there and they're declaring the glory of God. Here's an old reprobate out, out before the pilgrims ever landed in North America. Here's an old reprobate running around in a loincloth and he looks up one night and he looks up there in the sky and he says, man, that's got to come from somewhere. Listen, you don't get to the place. You don't get to the place naturally where you look up in the sky and see all of that stuff and just say, oh yeah, that just all happened by chance. You don't get there naturally. Somebody's got to educate you out of common sense. There's something in your heart that identifies. It knows somebody put that up there on purpose. Uh, you might think that, I, I think the guy's name was Picasso. You might think that his paintings are really something to admire. That's stupid. A fella pull out a paint jug and start throwing it at the wall and call that art? That's not art. That's kindergarten mess. Amen. Amen. But people admire that. You know, educated folks. 
Oh, man, that was, that was really a mark of progress in our art. Really? Really? No wonder you think you came from a monkey. I'm not trying to make fun of education. I, if you can get an education, if you can get a college degree, help yourself, man. You're going you're gonna to have a hard time doing that without being indoctrinated by a bunch of ridiculous garbage. Amen. Amen. Listen, scratch another itch here. It's almost come to the place in this country to where we're going to have to start preaching against people going to college because you're not getting an education anymore. You're being turned into a liberal. That's all that they're doing. It's not about getting, it's not about education. You do better off staying at home and reading books like George Washington did. Mm -hmm. I like Brother Mike Alford's got a shirt and he's got a picture of George Washington and a couple of other uh, high name fellas and it says the first homeschoolers. That's right, man. That's right. Anyways, let's get on with this. Heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Don't matter whether you speak Spanish or French or German or English or Swahili or Creole. Lord have mercy. That's a confusing language, Creole. It doesn't matter what language you speak. You can look up there in the sky, and that creation has something to tell you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look in uh, Psalm 104. Psalm 104. His position as creator points to his glory. His position as creator points to his power, his authority. Listen, if somebody created you, if you're not just a product of random happenings, if somebody made you intelligently, then somebody's got authority over you. You probably said to your kids before, and I have a time or two, I brought you into this world, and I'll take you out. Well, you say that, you know, when you're in a, maybe when you're in a rush, at, you know, at the heat of the moment, or you might say it when you're joking or something like that, whatever the case may be. But do you realize that that's so true about the Lord? If God made you, God's got every bit of authority to snuff you out. Psalm 104, look in verse 30. The Bible says, Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created. God, God is the reason that man's alive. Send forth your spirit, they're created. What else needs to be said? Look in Psalm 148. Psalm 148. Psalm 148, look in verse 1. Psalm 148, verse 1. The Bible says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him, all His angels. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. Praise ye Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all ye stars of light. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I have been told that the stars put off a particular frequency. They put off some kind of frequency. It's a noise. And, and they, those scientists, I don't know much about that, but they say, those scientists say that it's almost like them stars are singing. That's just by chance. Mm -hmm. Somebody's praising him. <laughs> Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. You realize all God had to do in order for 
all of those things to be brought into existence was just simply open his mouth. You realize everything that's ever been created, everything that's ever been brought into existence is connected with the Lord's mouth. It's connected with his words, apparently, somehow. When God created everything except man, he brought it into being, except for the angels. I'd, I'd have to think about that for a second. But when God made the world, God made it by speaking, made it with his words. When God made man, he formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils, still connected with his mouth. Brother Mike Alford pointed something out last week, I think during last Sunday school. He said, you know, he said, when you got there in Genesis chapter 3, he said, it's almost like God wrote a story. He said, it's almost like God wrote a story as if this was the way it was supposed to be. And the moment that Adam and Eve transgressed against that, an immediate change. That's an interesting thing. The Lord comes down and he fellowships with Adam and Eve. When they transgressed, shortly after there, a couple of verses, the Bible says, and the voice, the voice of the Lord God came walking. Not the Lord, his voice. You say, you're picking at things. I don't think so. The voice of the Lord God came walking in the garden in the, in the cool of the day. It's almost like God was sitting in heaven and was writing out the history of man and the moment that Adam and Eve transgressed, the whole thing went into disarray, just busted it into a million pieces. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded. All he did was had to open his mouth. He commanded and they were created. They were created. Uh, everything that God created had a connection with his voice. When God rebukes Job and in the, at the end of the book of Job and he starts going through there and reaming Job out you know what God appeals to in those last couple of chapters largely you know what God's argument is God, is, God comes to him in Job 38 and he says who is this that darkeneth counsel with words without knowledge he says gird up your loins like a man I'll demand of thee he said you've got all these questions and you, you're throwing out all these facts he said let me ask you a couple of questions you know what he starts asking? He starts asking about creation. He starts hitting Job with the fact of, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And you go through there and look chapter after chapter in Job 38, Job 39, Job 40. It's, I think it's Job 41. He starts talking about Leviathan. In the end of Job 40, he talks about behemoth. He says, I made these creatures which there's some studying in that. But he said, I made these creatures. He said, where were you when I made all this? You know what he's appealing to? I'm your creator. I created everything. What right do you have? Yes, sir, buddy. You know what happens when you start considering the fact? You know what's wrong with a lot of us? We never sit down and think about the fact that God is our creator. You just live life and you just think about things. Hey, I've got to get something to eat today. I've got to go to work today. I've got these things that I've got to get accomplished. I understand that. We're all people, ain't we? But, buddy, when you sit down in the stillness of the night in your bedroom in that chair in the corner or wherever it is that you sit, maybe at the dining room table, and you really start to think about the fact that, man, God made everything. And there's stuff that's in existence that you know nothing about. God made them too. Some of the things that are, uh, James Knox, a preacher down there in uh, Deland, Florida, he goes scuba diving. 
God bless him, man. If you enjoy scuba diving, you help yourself. But, man, I am not interested in running into some of the things that I know are in existence on land. I sure ain't getting in no water. He'd get down there and take photos of them things. Man, I never knew that there... Who would think of a fish that's got a light bulb hanging off the end of a pole? A fish that goes fishing. God made that. Yes, sir. Who are you? You you got something you want to say to the Lord? You got some complaint, do you? It points to his power. It points to his authority. You know what else it points to? It points to your purpose. The Bible says there in Revelation chapter 4, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You know what God made all this stuff for? He made it for His pleasure. The fact of whether or not you get any pleasure out of that, that's a byproduct. And boy, we do, don't we? You go and take a vacation. Some of you fellas, it's hunting season. Man, you get out there with a rifle and you get to run across a big buck with 16 points. It might be a little bit of exaggeration, but that's one of those fishtails in hunting, right? Rack this big. That's not no deer, man. That's an elk. Shut your mouth. I ain't got them around here. But you get out there and you load that rifle, buddy, and you take a pot shot and you get out there. And I know as soon as you shoot it, you get out there and kneel down and say, Lord, thank you for this thing, don't you? Anyways, you should. You should. Lord, I appreciate it. But listen, the fact that you get to enjoy that stuff, that's a byproduct. The fact that you get to get out here and breathe God's fresh air, take your shoes off if you like to do that, and let that grass get between your feet. Of course, you do that around here during the summer. You get sand spurs. But you get out here and you enjoy all that stuff, that's made for God's pleasure. The fact that you get to enjoy all that stuff, man, that's just icing on the cake. Look in Psalm 100. You know, we haven't, this morning, we're not even taking into consideration the fact that men are sinners and that Jesus Christ came and died for their sins so that we could be redeemed to God, so that we can be reconciled with the Holy God. Not even taking that into consideration. Just looking at God as creator and the fact that everything that God made, God made it for his pleasure, and you get to have some enjoyment out of that. You talk about a good God. We complain about him, get disgruntled, get upset about that stuff. Good God. Psalm 100, look in verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the land, unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. That's an admonition to come worship the Lord, to come praise the Lord. On what basis? Verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It's he that's made us, and not we ourselves. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. You know why you should worship the Lord? It ain't. You know why you should praise him? It's not because you feel good. You know why you should come in here on Sunday morning and just stand up and say, boy, I just appreciate the Lord letting me be alive. I just thank God for the fact that I can come to church. Thank God I live in a... Just whatever you can think of, just praise the Lord. You know why you should do that? Not because you woke up in a good mood. Because if you're anything like a lot of folks, you don't wake up in a good mood on Sunday morning. I get up and come to church. and You know, the first person that experiences that is your spouse. <laughs> Sound like a bulldog. But I'm telling you, listen, I'm telling you, you come in here into church, 
the, the hypocrite that you are. You sit right here, God let you live. It would behoove you to hear something that the preacher says that you know is true. Praise the Lord. Amen. Preacher, stand up and talk about how good God is in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. And you sit there. Somehow preachers have gotten in, we've been pushed into this thing of to where we have to get you stirred up in order for you to praise the Lord. I don't find that anywhere in the scripture. My job, listen, my job, i got a big job, but my job, nowhere in my job description does it say that I'm supposed to be the divine cheerleader. You know what, you know what I am supposed to do? I'm supposed to take the scripture. And I'm supposed to teach you about God. Try and get you to see who God is through the scope of the scripture. And that is supposed to move you to humble yourself before an eternal God and say, what a God he is. He's a worthy God. And the fact that you come in here disgruntled about whatever or dissatisfied about whatever, bears no, it has no bearing on the fact that God deserves your praise. has no bearing on the fact, of, the fact that God deserves your worship. It has no bearing on the fact, listen, the fact that you come in the church and sometimes you don't feel like being here, and I get that, man. I understand. I know what it's like to work a full-time job and come to church and be dead dog tired out of your mind. You feel like you're stoned. Of course, I don't know what that feels like. But maybe you <laughs> just lost the service right there. But I know what it's like to come and be tired. But that has no bearing on the fact that God deserves your praise. He's creator. He's your creator. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It's he that has made us and not we ourselves. Look in Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. Uh when you come to the New Testament, the book of Psalms does not disappear. You don't look at the book of Psalms and say, well, you know, that's Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. We don't pay attention to any of those Old Testament books. Paul, Paul gives you instructions. He says, speaking to yourselves in Psalms and hymns. You know, good, godly, dedicated, separated Christians like everybody in here this morning, <clears throat> they still need reminding that God's your creator. They still need reminding that God made everything that they can see and he deserves to be praised for it. Psalm chapter 8, look in verse, uh, look in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, God's heavens, NASA's an intruder. Yes, sir, buddy. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, here's the effect that it has. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou hast visitest him? You know why man wants to do away with the concept of God as creator? Because it's humbling. It's humiliating. You know why Charlie Darwin 
came up with this theory to attack the very concept that God made everything that a man can see. You know why he came up with that? It's not because of an intelligence problem. It's because of a moral issue. He got a spiritual problem. And so when you come to Psalm 14, verse 1, the Bible says, The fool hath said in his, not in his head. It's a heart issue. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Man's trying to run from something. Man is trying to run from something. Look in Romans chapter 1. We'll try and find a landing place here. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. You could take another Sunday school lesson and go through Romans chapter 1 in light of what we just looked at. But you look here in Romans chapter 1, verse 23. Well, look here in verse 21. Because of that, well, look in verse 20, because that's really where the, the subject of creation picks up. He's talking about the gospel, but he says in verse 20, he says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Listen, when you look at that big ball of fire up in the sky, and the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, that that ball of fire shines in His strength, God's strength. That's a way for you to understand. That's a way for you to get a concept of the power of God. You can look at creation and understand His eternal power and Godhead so that they're without excuse. Once you do that, you have no more excuse to say, to stand before God at judgment and say, well, I didn't know. God's going to point to the sun. He's going to point to the trees. He's going to point to the grass that you had to get out and cut every week in South Georgia, sometimes twice a week. He's going to point to all that stuff and say, what do you mean you didn't know? So that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, verse 21, they glorified him not as God. See, the problem's not that they don't know God. The problem's they won't give him the glory that's due his name. They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, ungrateful, just simple ingratitude, spoiled brats just like your kids. You know why you let your kids get away with that stuff? Because every time you go to rebuke them for being ungrateful, something in the back of your heart says, well, you ain't thank God for such and such. And so instead of getting the thing right, you let your kids slide. That's what happens, boy. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Correct your kids about it. Get right yourself. Be thankful. You say, well, what happens if I don't? Well, let's take a look. Neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Something goes on inside the man's heart to where the lights begin to be turned out. And then what they do in verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And so they run around with doctorate degrees and they're sitting in colleges and universities saying, oh, we're wise, we're wise, and they're idiots, they're fools. That's not, that's not the word of a preacher. That's the word of an eternal God. You got so smart. And see, you missed it just by being unthankful, just by not taking the glory that's due to God's name and giving it to him. Listen to me. How is it that you can explain a man like Sir Isaac Newton sitting down and running the calculations for pi 
I'm not talking about cherry pie or apple pie. I'm talking about that algebra and geometry stuff that we all ignored when we were in high school. Of course, some of you in the old days, you didn't have to do any of that stuff. Man, I feel like I was born out of my time. I should have been born then. But Sir Isaac Newton sitting around, sitting around discovering the law of gravity. Brilliant. And yet that fellow humbled himself before an eternal God. And here you got all these, you got all these professors sitting in a college somewhere, and all they're doing, they're not making any new discoveries. All they're doing is rehashing basic things that were discovered in that time frame. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. And so now we've got to not cut our pine trees down that we're raising so that we can have paper products because we want to save the spotted owl. Save the red-headed, crested woodpecker. You say, I, I, I get, I understand some of that stuff. I, I understand some of that stuff. I understand that laws are instituted because men are transgressors. I get that. But I also understand that a lot of that stuff is put into effect because of people lobbying in Congress. And the reason that people do that stuff is because they worship the creature more than the creator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you fall more in love with your little chihuahua than you do your wife or your husband. You say, what is that? Worshiping the creature more than the creator. I try not to let my kids kill animals just for the fun of it. I don't, I don't feel like that's right. But at, at the same token, it's not on the same level of killing a human being. Amen. When mice are making, you know, in one bunch having 50 other mice or whatever it is that they have, I think we can afford to kill a couple, especially when they're a nuisance. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. You say, what happens? A man starts to take the creature and put him on the same level with God. And God reaches there into that fellow's mind and he turns the lights off. You know what the next step after that is? Homosexuality. <sighs> right there in Romans chapter 1 verse, 1, verse 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, against nature, against nature. You say, you say, how do you know that homosexuality is wrong? How come two ladies can't have kids and two fellows can't have kids? It's against nature. It's against nature. How do you know pedophilia is wrong? It's against nature. Where's the childbirth? I'm trying to be a little discreet. but Come on, man. You got to have some common sense. Tell you what your problem is. You're a rebel. You're a rebel against your creator. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Likewise, verse 27, Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. God said, you want to go this way? 
I'll recompense you with something that ain't going to be with children. I'll recompense you with something. And so now you got AIDS everywhere. You know how you get AIDS? Be licentious. Just live a lascivious life. Act like a dog. I mean, you believe you came from one. You say, what is that? That's God's judgment. That's God operating as a judge when you fail to recognize him as creator. Yes, sir, boy. Bad trouble. You're in bad trouble. Uh, let me say this, and I'll close. I, uh, listening to a preacher one time, a preacher I got a lot of respect for, but I believe he was sincerely wrong on this. He was talking to his kids in his church, and they were college students, and he told them, just point blank, he said, I think you're wasting your time talking to, when you witness the college students, he said, I think you're wasting your time talking about the issue of creation and evolution. He said, because none of your generation is interested in that issue anymore. That was an issue that was, you know, and he gave a time frame. I, I disagree. I don't think it's an issue to be ignored because that's the foundation. That's the foundation upon which everything sits. You take that issue and address that with a man. I said in the beginning of the Sunday school class, I'm not going to give you some scientific evidence that God's the creator. There's no, it's not a thing of scientific evidence. It's a thing of faith. Just look at God's book and believe it. And man, you witness to a man about Christ being his redeemer. I don't believe that. I'm an evolutionist. Well, God, the Bible says that God created the world. Well, I don't believe that. Okay, I got nothing more to say to you. It's over. It's over. Your conversation is done. You're not going to get anywhere. Until that fellow changes his mind about that, you're not going to get any further. I hate it for you, but you're going to die in your sins and burn in hell. I don't believe that. Who cares? There's a brown chair. I don't believe it's brown. I think it's purple. Who cares? We need some preaching, don't we? You see, you're a little afraid. You're a little afraid to talk to people like that. I know you're afraid to talk to people like that because you're afraid to talk to your own family members that way. God, help us. God's a creator. He's creator. Lord, help us, God. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for the truth of God's word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, God, to lead and guide us. God, pray you help us to humble ourselves before you this morning. We'll thank you. God, bless the morning service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.